0: You're gonna wanna hear this. Our next in-person mastermind is coming up and we're doing things a little differently. Tickets are available to everyone, no membership required. Picture this, a day and a half of learning, networking, and problem solving with like-minded law firm owners who are as passionate about building the best law firm possible as you are. We'll kick things off with a presentation from sales and marketing expert, Dave D. If you don't know Dave, Be sure to go back to episode 605 of the Maximum Lawyer podcast to hear him share how lawyers can stand out in a crowded market. Following his keynote and Q&A are the mastermind hot seats. Every attendee has the opportunity to dive deep into their business obstacles with their mastermind group and coach. There's nothing like the energy of being with other driven law firm owners who are just as committed to their success as you are. We believe that nothing beats working on your firm in person, So join us in Charlotte on July 15th and 16th. This is your chance to break through barriers, gain fresh perspectives, and accelerate your law firm's success. Visit maxlawevents.com for full event details and to grab your ticket today.
1: Run your law firm the right way. way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking.
2: And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy?
1: Tyson, I'm so excited for our guest today. I've been thinking about this for months. I, I was sort of surprised when he agreed to come on the show. So I'm very happy to introduce him. So for. A little bit of backstory. The Maximum Lawyer podcast began eight years ago, a little bit after a info summit that GKIC held in St. Louis, Missouri. Dave D was there and he is our guest today. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I
2: am I'm, I'm really honored and I appreciate it. So, Dave, I'm hoping that most of our listeners know who you are, but will you I I would really I think it would be helpful for people if they heard your journey and your a little bit about your story and how you became who you are. Like your presentation at GKIC was my favorite. And I'll ask you some questions about that in a little Thank bit. You. But it was it was kind of really cool. But yeah, will you talk about your journey and your story?
3: Sure. Uh, Since we don't have a lot of time, I won't tell the entire story. We'll just start when I was eight years old, and then we'll move up from there going every year from from there forward. No, but actually, my journey did start when I was eight years old, because like a lot of boys, and some girls, but mostly boys at that time, my my grandmother gave me a little magic set, and I fell in love with magic, and I knew when I was about eight, nine, ten that I wanted to grow up and be a professional magician. And my my parents thought that was kind of cute when I was eight. But when I was 18, they they didn't think it was so cute anymore, (laughs) right? And so I got a lot of, you know, that's not practical. You need to get a real job. You need to work for a company, get the gold watch, all that kind of stuff. But um, I had this passion, real passion, burning passion to be an entertainer. I took a very traditional route. I went to UMass, Amherst, graduated with a degree in communication, got a job in radio advertising sales. I was probably, it's funny because I teach sales training now a lot to lawyers, both one-to-one and one-to-many, which we can talk about. And I was probably the worst radio advertising salesperson on the planet. I mean, it was bad. My my training consisted of the sales manager literally slapping me on the back and saying, go out there and get them, killer. I mean, really, that was it. And I was never really into it because I still had this passion. And so I eventually moved out of my hometown from Springfield, Mass., to to Atlanta and took a job as a demonstrator at an executive magic store. So these were not like the typical magic stores you're thinking of. These were in luxury hotels. And basically what my job was, was to sell overpriced magic tricks to unsuspecting conventioneers. But the reason that this is important is that it really got me up and in, in, in learning how to sell one-to-many, how to g- gather a crowd, learn a script, do a demonstration, and start selling. And I quickly became the number one salesperson in, in, in the company. And But I still wasn't living my passion. So... I had to make a decision at one point, what what was I going to do? Was I going to actually live out my dream? Or was I just going to keep doing this and working for somebody else? And so that decision was made for me because I was fired from that job. The, The owner discovered I had entrepreneurial tendencies. And so, but now I, I didn't have a gig, right? And I was only doing about three shows a month and I, these weren't big David Copperfield like productions. These were small shows, nowhere near enough to make um, money. And then I went to an event and I saw a guy by the name of Dan Kennedy speak and he's the K in GKIC that you mentioned earlier. And he said something which really had a profound effect on me, and it was this, and this really applies to any business, right? And here's what it was, that it's more important to be a master marketer and a master salesperson than it is to be a master of your craft. Now, he wasn't saying that you shouldn't be good at what you do, but being good at what you do is not a competitive advantage until the client is working with you. And so that really changed my mind shift from, hey, I just got to get really good because we're all taught, right? In law school, we're not going over how to run a business. We're taught how to be good lawyers. And so I really focused in on the marketing and I invested in courses and I went to trainings and spent money I really didn't have. But, and I tried a lot of different things as, as one of my favorite speakers, the late great Jim Rohn said, and Tony Robbins is often given credit for this, but it's actually Jim Rohn's. I took massive action and most of the stuff that I did didn't work. And most of the marketing that I did wasn't very good, but I just kept doing it. And I kept doing a lot of it. And within 90 days, I went from doing three shows a month to averaging 25 shows a month. So from 3 to 25. So if everyone who's watching this can do that math, that's over an 800% increase. So I want you to imagine that happened in your, in your law practice. And so everything changed for me. My, my fourth month, I did 57 shows. And so my life completely changed everything. I mean, I within a year, I paid off $80,000 in debt I had accumulated. I bought a new house. I bought a new car. I was making six figures as a magician back in the 90s. Now, that may not be impressive to folks, but there's not a lot of magicians who are doing six figures. And then I started getting invited to speak on stages to tell my story like I'm telling it now. And what happened as a result of that smart business owners, including my very first client who was an attorney, by the way, came up to me and said, can you help me with my practice? Because this, and I say that they're smart because they understood that marketing is marketing and marketing is selling, is selling, is selling. I was selling a professional service just like an attorney sells a professional service. Mine just happened to be entertainment. I needed to uh, attract leads. I needed to have a meeting and close the sale, all right? I had to perform the service. I needed to get referrals. It was just a different type of service business. And so that's what actually got me going and, and started working with clients in diverse businesses, mostly in the service business, tons with a ton of attorneys who I actually really, really enjoy working with. I think they're fantastic and they provide such a great service and no one has really taught them the marketing piece of this or the selling piece of it. And, or, or they're teaching really outdated methodologies, which nobody likes to use. So, you know, high pressure closing and manipulative stuff when none of that is necessary. And so that's that's really what got me here. Then I started speaking on stages and then I learned that, hey, you got to sell something on these stages when you're invited to these entrepreneurial conferences. The first time I did it, I bombed. Right. Because I was an entertainer. So I thought this is going to be easy. I'm on stage all of the time. And I quickly learned that there was a big difference between making an audience laugh, getting them to clap, getting a standing ovation, and getting them to take out their credit card. And so I did the same process as I did as a magician. I dove in, I invested money, I went to courses, I studied, I studied, I studied, and I got really good at speaking to sell. And so there's two things now that I teach professional services, folks. Number one is how to get up in front of a group whether that's a group on a webinar online or whether it's in person at a seminar or a dinner presentation or something like that and speak, deliver good information, but then get the qualified prospects to schedule appointments. Then the second piece of that is, okay, we've got the appointment. Now, how do we actually close that sale? So the prospect becomes a client and that's what leads us here
1: today. I f- I feel really lucky to have heard even more detail of your story. For those of you who have the opportunity, it's a very dramatic story when Dave went to that first event with Dan Kennedy because he basically had no money to even go to the event. So it's it's remarkable that a lesson for for all of us is is the need to invest in yourself and to keep, you know, t- improving and learning and and so that was great. So I appreciate that, Dave. So my question for you is you have worked with a lot of lawyers. Talk to us about traditional lawyer advertising and what most lawyers are getting wrong in their marketing. Well, it's not just lawyers, by the way, but since this is a, a podcast for lawyers, it's really every,
3: anyone who sells a professional service. And the biggest problem is that they look and their marketing is the same as everyone else's marketing. So, I can get a see an ad for a lawyer online on Facebook, and it will be basically the same as someone another lawyer. I can literally take out the logo, change the name, and everything's the same. So, if they're doing an estate planning seminar, it looks exactly the same. The postcard that I get in the mail looks exactly the same, everything looks the same. And the problem with that is, and it's a big problem, it's becoming a bigger problem is that puts the attorney in the position of being a commodity. And now we know that that's not true. We know just like there are better surgeons, there are better attorneys than other attorneys. But if everybody looks exactly the same and is doing what everyone else in the industry is doing, then the public, the prospect, if everyone looks the same, why wouldn't they think that we're that an attorney is a commodity. And when you become a commodity, the problem is people base their decision on what? They base their decision on price, the lowest price, right? And it's getting worse for attorneys with all of the online tools and it's going to get worse with AI. So because they're going to just be able to go and do the stuff themselves. Now, so that's that's one of the major problems. The other major problem is not attracting the right prospects. So everyone is thinking, well, how many leads can I get? Right, What can I do to get the most leads? Where well, I take the opposite approach, I'd rather have less leads, but have them be really good leads, really qualified leads. Because there's gonna be always a group of people who don't want to do it themselves. right? They wanna work with someone who is, they, they, their perception is that they're the ace, the authority the celebrity, the expert, right? And so here is a, a gigantic tip for everyone. You're not selling your services. You're really selling yourself because the, the more affluent somebody is, and the more sophisticated they are, they're more looking for the who, they're buying the who, not just the, the how, not just the end results. And so that's why I think it is imperative regardless of what your practice area is that you are doing some form of public speaking, whether that's online or whether that's in person or a combination of both, because that is something that cannot be duplicated, right? Because if you do it right and you structure your presentation correctly, you're, you're selling not just, oh, I do estate plans, right? Not I can just put together a trust for you or what, whatever it is that you're offering, but rather that you're selling yourself. You're telling your origin story. So if you notice, we start out with my origin story. Now I shorten it and I tighten it, but all attorneys need an origin story as opposed to, and by the way, once you develop your origin story, that's what you want to have on your about page. Right. As opposed to what every other lawyer has on their about page that who are using templates that every other lawyer is using. Right. And so when when you do that and when you get out in front of people and you're speaking, number one, that formula being the ace, the authority, the celebrity and expert. Well, who gets in front of groups of people and speaks authorities, celebrities and experts? That's what they do right so you're automatically put in that category now if you have a book and you speak now you're in a different ball game than other attorneys and so the you're going to book appointments and if your presentation is structured correctly and I'm happy to go over how to quickly structure a presentation if that's what you want to do now you're selling you people think that they they're you're perceived as the go-to attorney as opposed to just another attorney selling the same thing as the, the attorney down the street from them.
2: So I do want to ask about the present the, the structuring of your presentation a little bit. Because I do I, th- I think I've seen something on you do that before and it's really, really good. The, so I was I was scrambling to, to find my notes from that books and books of notes. Wow. And I was scrambling to try to That's find awesome. my notes. and yeah. so you presented on the ultimate product creation and launch machine. And it was it was re- what I thought was really interesting about it, other than the content, was you moved in like in with the crowd. You weren't up on the stage. You were moving Correct. around, but people were wanting to take pictures of your slides so like so much. But you kept moving so quickly, and you were giving so much value. And I was like trying to scramble to take notes, and I wanted to take pictures so badly. But you were like standing like right next to me and Jim, so I was like I, did, <laughs> I didn't want to pull my phone out, but. The I promise I'm going to connect the dots in a second, but I have seen where a lot of these estate planning attorneys they're doing these presentations and they, and they seem to seem to be pretty effective, but there's a point where they've got to ask for the credit card right they've got to ask for that that the the sell so is there is there something to the strategy of you are providing just so much value very very quickly. And and going going going, and then finally you make the pitch. Is there something to that? Is there a strategy to that whole thing? Because I, I'm I'm really curious. I've always wondered that question since I've seen that presentation. So what's the strategy behind it?
3: That is a great question, and this is going to be eye opening for you because you were there. Here's here is the key: you deliver value, but not too much value. And I actually didn't deliver that much value in the presentation. So, here is the key, and this is the mistake that almost everyone who speaks to sell, and that's what we're doing, right? We're getting up there to speak to sell, whether it's on a webinar, on stage, or online. doesn't make any difference. Is over-delivering information. So, when you over-deliver information, and I'm gonna give you the exact structure of how to do this, right? Because that's the question that you asked. And then maybe we can do another where we can really dive more into it. But when you deliver too much information, you think that you're giving value to your audience. But some bad things happen when you do that. The first bad thing that happens is that you overwhelm your audience, especially, and we use estate planning as an example, when you get into the nitty gritty details, which lawyers like to do, because you guys, that's what you guys like right? You like the de- you're detail-oriented. But when you do that, the audience, first of all, more than likely is going to get bored. And if they get bored, they're not paying attention. Even if they're sitting there, they're not mentally paying attention. The second thing is if you overwhelm them with information, they get confused, and a confused mind does not take action at the end. But the other really bad thing that you're actually doing a disservice to your audience is when you deliver too much information, they believe falsely that they can get the result themselves. Oh, I've got all the information I need. I can go to rocket lawyer and just get everything done myself. And we all know that working with an attorney is not the same as going to rocket lawyer. Right? But if you give me all the information that I need, you leave me with that false belief that I can go do it myself. So here is the structure. You want to deliver, and if people haven't been taking notes, you want to take this and start taking notes. You want to deliver, and this is all I did during that presentation, three pieces of information. The magic number is three. Why three? Because people can remember three.
2: Okay? They can remember three things. By the way, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you, Dave. I, I've got three bullet points. You had three main topics, so I can verify what you're saying is accurate. Yes.
3: Yep. Yep. And so by delivering three, right, your audience can process three. They can remember three. So the question that you want to ask yourself when you're creating your presentation is, what are, if I can only tell this audience three things that they, that they need to know, And here's the key that they need to know that will create the desire inside them to take the next step, right? So what are the three things that my audience needs to know that'll create the desire in them to take the next step? So in most cases with an attorney that again, we'll use estate planning, doing an estate planning seminar is for them to go to the back of the room and schedule an appointment. Right. Or doing a webinar, click the button to go to the online calendar to schedule the appointment. So the, the entire presentation is designed for one purpose and one purpose only. It is to create the desire inside of your audience to take the action at the end that you want them to take. And so you want to deliver three pieces of good information. And here's the key. I'll give you two. There's different ways to do it, but here's two. Tell them what to do, not how to do it. By the way, that's great information because most people don't know what to do. Also, tell them why it's important. So when you introduce the topic, just don't dive into it, right? So for example, let's say that we're doing a a presentation and... We know that one of the common misconceptions is that a will, if I have a will, I'm all set, right? And so you want to talk about why a will is not enough, right? That's not an estate plan, right? A will is just a tiny piece of it. But you need to explain to the audience, you need to sell them on what you're about to tell them is why it's so important, okay? So you start off by introducing your topic, one of the three topics. You then sell them on why this is so important, okay? And then you either tell them what to do, not how to do it, or you give them useful but incomplete information. Useful but incomplete. So there are, I'm just making this up, so there are seven parts to a proper estate plan. Now, we don't have time to go over all seven today, but let me go over three, right? Well, what do I want to know? I want to know what the other four are. And so I'm giving useful, but incomplete information. I'm telling them what to do, not how to do it. I'm selling them on why this is so important. So for example, if I was to, let's say I was selling a, an estate plan, right? Well, one other, I'm going to give you one other big tip in a second, because this is a really important one. Let's say I'm talking about estate plans. Well, and I want to sell them on why it's important. Well, one of the easiest ways for me to do that is to go to all the celebrities that did not have an estate plan, right? And talk about those stories. Hey, here's what happened when, there, I can't remember off the top of my head. In fact, I just helped somebody create a presentation, so I should know. Aretha, Fra- Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, exactly. Look at what happened. Didn't have an estate plan. And then you talk about, and then, then you can go into what a probate is and so on and so forth, right? So that is a key, but here is the the, the most important or, or, or an important piece of this, it's remember what you're, off, what you're selling. Your presentation is not designed to sell them on putting together an estate plan. Your presentation is designed to get them to schedule an appointment. So what a lot of attorneys do is they talk about, well, when you, after you work with me, right, all this great stuff is going to happen. Well, I'm not there yet. Right. You, I just want to know that I should be talking to you, whether you charge for the consultation or whether you do it for free. That's the thing that you're selling. So your presentation, yes, you do need to future pace how things will be. And future pacing is in two ways. One is how the negative aspect of what will happen if you don't take care of this, the positive aspect, so pain and pleasure, right? We, we know those are motivating forces. So yeah, we do need to do that, but the actual presentation is designed to get the audience, again, to create that internal desire, that internal pressure that says, I need to do this now. I need to meet with, with Jim now. And And, by the way, also disqualify people who you don't want to meet with. Now, we're getting into some deep stuff here, but I want to qualify people. I just don't want people on my calendar. I want people who are qualified, who I can really help, and who are ready to do business with me. I've got somebody in the financial, I work with a lot of financial advisors as well, and he says when he does appointments, he doesn't want people that are info hogs meaning people are just coming in to get free uh, financial advice. In your case, it would be free legal advice. So we want to have people that are ready to take action who we're meeting with because then closing the sale actually becomes uh, easier.
1: I'm dying over here because I'm doing everything wrong, right? I saw you rubbing your head there. I didn't didn't know if it was like, oh, my God, why do we have this guy on the podcast? Oh, my God, we're not going to even be able to use this episode. (laughs) <laughs> Quite the opposite. So, Dave, I'm an immigration lawyer. Yep. I have a YouTube call in show three or four days a week for an hour where people can call and ask me any question that they want for free. And it attracts probably some people that it, it definitely we get cases out of it. It's our it's our best converting thing, but it's a total soft sell. It's just a call in show. There's no presentation, there's no real call to action other than to leave me a five star review. So You know, And I get like 250 people watching live while we do the show. And by the next day, there's like 3,000 replays. So I have an audience now. And I probably need to start transitioning into more of this kind of an approach. I I still have to do the calls, I think. But I I I think I'm probably doing some things wrong.
3: Yeah. So the first thing is not having a call to action at the end. So you don't have to make it. So my whole structure and so there's two pieces of doing a presentation right one is the actual presentation and the actual is how you deliver the presentation so i'm not one of these guys and we've all seen these guys who you know they come out on the stage and hey who wants to make more money you know that guy and then he's standing on the chair in the back of the room and all all of that right well we want to maintain our especially as an attorney you want to maintain your professionalism so you don't and I don't, you do a hard close or you don't need to do a hard close. If you do everything right, as I kept mentioning, you've you've created the desire in the audience to want to do this. Now you do need to make an offer, right? And that's a whole other conversation. What is an offer? But an offer, by the way, is not just a consultation. That's a piece of an offer, but you don't have to do the high-pressure stuff, and nor should you, because you don't want to come across as a snake oil salesman. You want to come across as a high-powered attorney who who cares, right? A, a, a great attorney who cares. And if, if I believe that you're a great attorney and that you care about me and you've just done something where I, I need your help, who am I going to call? I'm going to call you. And so, yeah, one of the things I would do, Jim, is I would – absolutely have a standard call to action at the end whether that is to call and set an appointment uh, whether it is to go fill out a form whether it's to download my report uh you know the the seven the seven biggest misconceptions about immigration becoming a citizen the seven biggest misconceptions about becoming a citizen okay that'd be a great report for you to offer then what you so this is how i would do it if i were you all right i would probably have that call to action at the end as opposed to hey if you've got a problem schedule time with me i would offer something else for free but where the, where you're collecting their contact information because imagine if out of that 3000 even 10% of those requested the information well now you've got 300 people on your mailing list on your email list and then to those people what I would do is then I would do at least once a month a live webinar where the entire presentation was designed to get them to to book an appointment. And if you did that, I, you would probably double your results.
2: So Dave, I've got a question about short form, because there's a lot of like TikTok and Instagram. And it's I mean, that's what I've been focusing quite a bit on is is short form. So you don't have a lot of time, like a lot of the stuff we've got to keep under 60 seconds. So how do we apply that to the short form videos?
3: Yeah. So it's tougher in the short form videos. And so again, it really goes back to the, give them useful, but incomplete, right. And tell them what to do, not how to do it. The other thing, an easy way to do this is write down number one, the biggest misconceptions that somebody has about whatever area of law you're practicing. Okay. So, Whatever the biggest misconceptions are. So example, we do in the estate plan, we talked about the will, right? A will is enough. Well, a will is not enough, and here's why a will is not enough. And so you just come up with a whole list. So let's say you came up with 10 misconceptions. Well, then you have 10 different videos. The other way to do this is to reframe objections that your prospects would have as to why not to work with you as questions. So I often get this question, and then so you just reframe it's really an objection so and if you listed all of the objections that you get on a regular basis right then you can then you can do that as well but with the shorter form videos those are really designed to keep you in front of people and um, hopefully that there is somewhere that if they looked you up so just like the advice I gave to Jim if they looked you up there'd be something that they could request so you get their contact information. And so that happens a lot. So I'll do short videos on clips on Facebook and people will just, after seeing them for a while, they what's this Dave D guy, Dave com. They go to Dave com. Then as, if you go there, you'll see that there's something for you to request information. You're opting in for a, a, a little video, Right. And so that's, that's how you would do that. But it's tough in 60 seconds to, you know, follow the entire presentation structure. But that thing about the myths is a really good one because it also gives people the feeling of aha. And it sets you up. They get that emotional feeling of like, oh, I just learned something. And that cool feeling of, wow, I just learned something that new that I didn't know. It's a really good feeling. And
1: they attribute that to you, so that's a a really nice strategy. Dave, one of your superpowers, I think, is telling stories, and and stories with a, a, a point and, and a cliffhanger. Yeah. And we sort of reconnected recently on Facebook because you were doing these stories about your past and your time at GKIC and before, and, and every one of them was like, wait till tomorrow to hear the next thing. I mean, it was almost just like out of a soap opera or a serial from the old days. Can you talk a little bit about storytelling? Sure. Storytelling and which was actually leads to the next big tip.
3: In this, again, anything that we've talked about, if, if anyone applies it, could, it sounds so cliche, but it really could double your business, really, is if you should be doing at least a weekly email to your list. At least a weekly email. Now, I do a daily email and people would say, well, I wouldn't want to get your emails every day. Well, it, you wouldn't if they're written in a very boring way, but if they're written like the way you're talking about, and there's a story form, and there's a cliffhanger, and yet people do want to read those type of emails. And so, yeah, so storytelling is one of the most important things in any type of selling that, that you're doing. So you, in your one-to-many presentations, you want to weave in stories. And because as ever since we were little kids... When someone says, hey, your mom and dad told us a story, but, hey, let's read a story. I remember lying in bed with my kids every night, reading a story to them. So we have it built into our, our psyche that, hey, um, let me tell you a story, people lean in. And so the, the idea is, and that's a, that's a really a big topic to talk about in just a few seconds, but the idea is if you're telling a story, if it's a story about yourself, Those are good stories, but it really needs to be related to the audience. So if you go back to my core story that I just told a a little piece of it because we didn't have a lot of time and I'm not selling anything here, right? Now, if I was selling stuff, there'd be a a lot more to it, all right? Okay, let's dissect that a little bit because this will be really cool for everybody. But so the first thing is, if you notice when I told my core story, I tied it back to, so it related to the attorney's. If you remember, I said they were smart business owners because they realized that marketing is marketing is marketing, selling is selling is selling, and that I was selling a professional service just like they were selling, right? I needed to generate leads. I needed to close the sale. I needed to deliver the service because when I tell my core story, if I don't have that piece in there, the, if there's an audience full of attorneys, they're like, this guy was a freaking magician. What does this have to do with me? But by adding in by telling us the story and saying, well, smart attorneys started asking me for my help because they understood now, by the way, notice I told that in a story. I overcome it I overcame a big objection, which is, well, what can this guy teach me? He used to be a magician. But I also set it up that if you're smart, you're going to ask me for my help
1: this This is like magic like you're you're doing a magic trick. And now, now you did a magic trick at the start of the show and now we're seeing it on the back end. You're, you're explaining us sort of the magic of what you did when you started the podcast.
3: Yeah, th- yeah, th- th- that's exactly it. This is the hidden stuff. So I actually have a, a workshop where we go over all of this hidden stuff that you can use one-to-one or one-to-many because there's one thing about putting together a slide deck to do a presentation, but then you've got this stuff. The other thing that I did is, and so, so the point is in telling the story you want to answer, it's a great place to answer objections. Okay. Notice that I did not say, if you're smart, you'll work with me. That's too direct. I just told it as a story. So other smart business owners, in fact, my, and it was true. The first one was an attorney. She was an attorney, but my very first big private client paid me $40,000. She was smart because she realized that my business was really no different than her business. And here's why. Oh, I got it. Right. So the other thing that I did, and I didn't do it as, because again, I'm not selling anything here, but I am right. I'm not asking for anyone's credit card, but I've already given out my URL. I've already said that there's free stuff that
2: they can get. But here's the other thing. If you were, by the way, Dave, if you were selling something, Dave or uh, Jim would go and buy it right now because he's, he's the guy that runs at the back of the room all the time. So.
3: And, and by the way, that's what the most successful people do. And that's the truth. That's what the most successful people do. And so the astute among you notice that I just did it again, right? But here's the other thing that I did. And I mentioned it a couple of times. If I was selling something, i notice I said, even though I didn't have the money, so when I tell my full core story, I talk about buying my very first product. And the, the entire story is I was, saw Kennedy speak, he selling this product. I knew that I needed it. I knew that it was the right thing for me. I knew that that was the thing that was going to turn everything around for me. But I didn't think I could afford it. But then I remembered something Jim Rohn said. Jim Rohn said that successful people invest in themselves and their education. I knew that if I wanted to be successful, I needed to do what successful people did. So I went ahead and I bought that program, even though I didn't think I could afford it. So I tell that story at the very, very beginning of the presentation. What I've just done is plant the seed in the audience's mind. If Because I know when I get to the end and I'm selling something, my stuff is high ticket stuff, that there's going to be somebody that's thinking, God, I really want this, but I can't afford it. And so what happens is I planted that seed in their brain way at the beginning of the presentation. So at the end of the presentation, when I reveal the price of whatever it is I'm offering, if they think, I really want this, but I can't afford it, that seed that I planted earlier sprouts. And they remember that I said, successful people invest in themselves and their education. And so I've planted the answer to the objection inside their mind before the objection has actually come up. Now, if they don't have that objection, it's still a good story. That seed just doesn't sprout. And by the way, I know that this works because every time, every time I do a presentation, at least one person comes up and says, Pulls me aside and says, you know, this is really a stretch for me. But that thing about investing in yourself, that Jim Rohn said about investing in yourself in your education, I know that that's true, right? So had I left that out, there would have been sales left out on the table that should have been mine. And also, I wouldn't be helping that person. So a lot of people say, well, this, this sounds like kind of manipulative stuff. And I guess it is, but one of my favorite sayings is is the difference between manipulation and persuasion is intent. What is your intent, right? So if your intent is to sell people something that they don't need, that doesn't work, that is not going to be good for them, then you're a snake oil sale. You're a conman, right? But if your intent is to help somebody right? Then I think you need to do everything you possibly can that is within ethical bounds. And so by doing that kind of stuff, the kind of ninja magic trick stuff that we're talking about here, that's what elevates the presentation, allows you to help more clients and as a result, make more money as well in the same amount of time and effort. That's the beautiful thing about selling, right? If, if I'm in front of an audience of 100 people and I'm only closing 10% of them and I use some more of these techniques and now I'm closing 20% of them, I've been up there for the same amount of time with the same number of people in the audience. I'm just getting better results. Same thing with one-to-one selling. If I'm closing uh, three out of 10 and I get really good at selling and I close six out of 10, I've just doubled my income with zero marketing expense. That's why I'm so passionate about this whole selling piece of it. And that's why I've really put my focus into there. So that was a long answer about storytelling. but (laughs) That was great.
2: Dave, we're going to wrap things up so we can get you out of here. How do people reach out to you if they uh, want to work with you or get a hold of you?
3: Yeah. So the best way to do it is to go to DaveD.com. So that's D-A-V-E-D-E-E.com. We offer a free webinar that... It's, it's on demand, so you can just go in there, and we're, we're going to show you exactly step-by-step step how to put together a presentation that sells, so in detail. And the new thing that I'm going to be adding, and it's going to be next week, so by the time this comes out, this will be up, is my entire PowerPoint one-to-many sales deck, which is designed specifically for people that sell professional services, So not somebody who's selling an info product, but someone who's trying to book an appointment at the end of their presentation. So I'm going to give everybody that template. And then the training is exactly how to go and fill out this PowerPoint template, literally step by step. So at the end, you have a one-to-many presentation that you can do either in person or online as a webinar. So if they want that, they go to daved.com and just give me your email address and you get it.
2: I love that. That is excellent. Yeah. yeah. Th- thank you, Dave. And we're gonna wrap things up before I do. So stick around, Dave. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to join us in the Facebook group. There's a lot of great information being shared there daily. If you don't mind giving us a five star review while you're listening to the rest of this episode, you've surely got some value from this episode. So if you got some uh, value, help us spread the love by giving us a review. And if you want to have a nice little conversation with other guild members go to maxwellguild.com we just got back from miami not too long ago and i uh, had a lot of fun at our quarterly mastermind so if you want to join us at our mastermind go to maxwellguild.com uh jimmy what's your hack of the week
1: well since we had dave on i had to go back to the roots and old dan kennedy and and I've, I've been rereading one of my favorites of his which is the no bs ruthless management of people and profits I tend to be sort of the nice softer boss and so I always need a little kick in the pants. I I pull this one back out and reread it. All the all the Dan Kennedy stuff is great and of course that's how I came across Dave in the first place, but this book in particular is good when I'm
2: struggling with how to manage people. That that book is it's very direct. It's a it's a it's a good one. Very good. Dave, we always ask our our guests to give a tip or a hack. It could be a quote, it could be a book, it could be a podcast, you name it. Do you have something for us?
3: Yeah, so since I mentioned this this gentleman a couple times, I strongly recommend you go to jimrohn.com and you get the program that really was the catalyst for me changing my life, which was Take Charge of Your Life by Jim Rohn. First of all, he's the best speaker I've ever heard. And it is a wonderful program. And just that title, when I saw it, it, was an audio cassette when I was listening to it, shows you how old I am, audio cassettes, but just that title changed everything for me because he tells a story about how he was talking to his mentor, a guy by the name of Mr. Schoff, and how he actually had a list, a list of people he was blaming for why he wasn't successful. Well, my parents don't support me. The taxes are too high, on and on and on. And Mr. Schoff looked at him and said, Mr. Rohn, your list is really good. There's only one problem. You ain't on it. And man, when I heard that, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm not on my own list. And honestly, that program was the catalyst that changed everything uh, for me. So I strongly recommend you get Take Charge of Your Life
2: by Jim Rohn. Love it. Very good stuff, and that's it's R O H N for anyone that is is wondering. Very good. So JimRohn.com. Mine, compared to your your two tips and hacks, uh, is not going to be as nearly as good. My mine is Cloud Prompter. It's a teleprompter. I, I'd recommend a, a teleprompter. It's a it's a Mac app. We're doing videos, but they now have a cloud version that works on all devices. That is really good, and I, I was a part of the beta program. And they're going to be releasing it. I think by the time this episode's out, it'll be available as well. So I definitely recommend it. Dave, thanks so much for coming on. This has been, this has been an honor to, ha- to have you on. It really, really is. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to have you as a guest ever since we went to GKIC. So this is just a, it's just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was my honor. It really was. I had a great
3: time. You guys are really great interviewers, too.
2: Well, thank you. We had a lot of, we've had a lot of practice.
3: Uh, <laughs> I, so, can really cool. I can tell. I can tell.